Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. All right, here we go. We're going to start with this verse that will introduce our topic today. And it says this out of Proverbs chapter 4. Now watch this. Watch what it says. It says, my son, and of course that doesn't mean males. It means his sons and daughters in, in, in the original language. Um, pay, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your, and then here's the topic of the day in your heart. Watch this. For they are life to those who find them, health which is why all of you guys are probably involved in this curriculum, is that you're looking, you know, you have one way you're living and, and you like for all that to change. Well, really, that's health to a man's whole body. And then it says how, how you go about it. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, guard doesn't mean protect it and leave, leave everybody out. Like build a wall around it so nothing can touch it. No, it just means you need to be careful what's going in, what's coming out. You need to really give, pay close attention to your heart for it is the wellspring. In other words, in other words, it is the well. It is, it is the place that everything else is flowing out of it. In fact, one translation says, for out of it flow all of the issues of life. Like all of the issues you're dealing with are coming out of your heart. And so we want to help you guys today and the next four weeks deal with heart issues. In fact, here's the little phrase. It's a matter of the heart. Say, no, it's not. It's my wife. No, no, no. It's a matter of the heart. No, 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 no. It's, it's my daddy was really mean. No, no, no. It's a matter of the heart. Maybe all those things are true, and those things actually did happen, but what really happened were not those circumstances. Listen closely. It wasn't those circumstances. Don't point back at those. The real issue is, is those circumstances got into your heart, and now it is entrenched in there. And out of that, the condition of your current heart is flowing all of the issues of life. Several years ago, I was making one of my many, what has now turned out to be my many trips to Australia. And it's a long way, by the way. It's, you fly, for me, I fly Birmingham to Atlanta, Atlanta to Los Angeles, and then Los Angeles to Sydney is about 14 and a half, 15 and a half hours, depending on the wind. And so it's a long way. And I've made several trips, and I've, I've had the honor of uh, helping not only the Hillsong churches there, but also the denomination that they're in, which is basically the, the Assembly of God of Australia, but they call it the Australian Christian Churches. And I've gone there quite a bit to help uh, give them our church plant model and to just help them uh, in, in those areas. I was making one of my many trips, and, and I usually, you know, you leave, I left on this particular case on a Wednesday, and you, you, you miss an entire day. I landed on a Friday because you crossed the international date line, and, um, and so anyway, when we got there, I went straight to the Hillsong College and, and trained students there, got, went right back to the airport, jumped on the plane, went to Brisbane and did some services for the Brisbane campus of Hillsong Church and then got on a plane after those and flew down to Melbourne to be a part of another church that's in that denomination called Enjoy Church. And I preached, I preached Saturday and all their Sunday services. And then I was going to get about a 24 hours off. Um, before I would drive from Melbourne around the bay, which is about an hour drive, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bay city like Destin is for us, where they were going to have a week-long pastor's conference of this denomination, that I was going to train these pastors and then fly home. So after the last service on a Sunday, the pastor wanted to, wanted to play golf, which I thought that was great. And it was a lot of fun because we played golf 
uh, Sunday afternoon, and there were kangaroos all over the greens, and you know, you had to shoot the kangaroos off in order to put, like, yeah, you know, like it's kind of fun, you know. And and I was taking pictures. I really could care less what I shot that day because it was just, you know, you, I don't see kangaroos around here. But anyway, that was a lot of fun. But I was just having a blast, and I was really in a good mood. I was feeling good. And then finally, we finished the round of golf, and now we're driving to this retreat center, and all the sessions are going to begin on Monday morning. And so we're driving this hour-long drive now, and, and we're driving along the shoreline, and it's beautiful, and the sun's setting because now it's the end of the day. And it, couldn't have been, it really couldn't have been more beautiful when all of a sudden, out really in the middle of nowhere, my heart starts racing at, like at 200 beats a minute. Um, my, my left arm goes numb. Um, it felt like a 400-pound man sitting on my chest. I can't breathe. And I told the pastor, I said, wait a minute, something's wrong. <gasps> so, and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I was shaking real badly. And the only thing I can describe to you to give you the feeling, because you've had it before, and it's the feeling of it, uh, almost having a near-miss accident and that rush to your chest of adrenaline that you have sometimes with that, that, you know, we're kind of freaked out. And you can feel it. You can feel it here. Or, or when you see a, uh, uh, the siren, you know, you can see the, uh, the, what do you call the, the light on top of the police car? Well, the light on top of the police car. All right, so the, <laughs> when you see that and you know it's you and you have that sinking feeling and it hits your chest, well, that's adrenaline. And it usually hits and leaves. Well, this hit and didn't leave. It was just stayed there. And I'm freaking out, and I think I'm having a heart attack. And I asked the pastor, pull over, pull over. And I jumped out, and I thought if I walked around a little bit, I'd be all right. Well, I wasn't all right. It got worse. And I said, call an ambulance. I'm dying. And I start telling him what to tell my wife because I think I have a minute to live. I'm like, here's where the insurance papers are. You know, I've got some money hit. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. But I've got, you know, I just started going through. I really, and I was grabbing the pastor's arm saying, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. The ambulance comes out. The ambulance said, don't drive to us. Let us drive to you. We stayed there. They came out and picked me up. I've never been in an ambulance before in my life or since then. They strapped me in, throw me in paramedics around me. They got me on oxygen. And, and they're, saying, they're saying to me, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. It's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I'm screaming. I'm crying. Please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. I thought I was going to die in an ambulance in the middle of Australia. You know, it just, I thought, oh Lord. And I was really, I was really freaking out. Ended up spending seven hours uh, in the ER room. This pastor, by the way, never left my side. He held my hand through the whole process, never left my side. And man, I'm so grateful for Pastor Shane Baxter. What a hero he is to me. But you get close to somebody, by the way, when you think you're dying <laughs> and they're with you, you really like that guy. You know, anyway, but <laughs> so basically they run a lot of tests. They actually did find a protein in, and they, they can tell if you've had a heart attack by the, 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 if they can find this particular protein. They found a trace amount of this, they think, we, I don't think this is what happened to you, but this is there. We really don't have an explanation. We'd love to keep you for two days and, and figure it out. And I said, no, I've got pastors to speak to. Kind of got it together. It took me seven hours to kind of get my heart rate half as low. And anyway, ended up speaking that whole week of that. Had that sense all week long. Long story short, came back home by the grace of God. Went straight to a cardiologist here in our church who decided, look, said, we can't figure out what's going on with you. The only way to know for sure is to actually go into your heart. I said, really? He said, yeah. He says, we can run the stress test, but you, you could, if, you're, if you have any kind of health to you, you could pass a stress test with heart problems. I said, well, how do you know for sure? He says, well, we got a little camera. We'll go in right here in your upper thigh and your, in your groin muscle, and we'll run it all the way up into your heart and take a bunch of pictures and see what's, see what's going on. So anyway, they called it a heart catheterization or a heart cath. I had that. I went through that process. 
And after I got out of it, basically the, the end story was, the doctor, I'll never forget, he comes into the little ER room when I kind of came out of the anesthesia, and he says, well, your heart's perfect. I said, well, praise God for that. He says, but uh, you've got other issues. And I go, well, all right. And, uh, and so basically what I, have, I had done is I had mixed for my body uh, a little overworked, over-caffeinated, and jet-lagged cocktail that my body said, um, I don't think so. And what's interesting is, is that you know, they say, and it always happens when you least expect it and at a point really where you're at rest. Because whenever you're still active, and this is a word for somebody who's watching, when you're still active, you'll, you'll have it going on, but your activity is masking it. And for a lot of you, your activity is masking the fact that you have heart issues. So it was not until I slowed down and rested and the sun was setting and I just finished a round of golf, which by the way, I beat the pastor. When all that happened, that I was at this perfect peace in my soul, that, I, that my body said, okay, now I'm gonna tell you, you've got issues. And praise God, my heart was fine, but, but I needed to address some things. Well, the same is true for you. And what happens is, by the way, with all heart issues, it will show you some symptoms that many times are not even closely related to the actual root issue. A numb arm has nothing to do with the fact that this is wrong. Uh, 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 this anxious feeling. Really, there's a lot of other symptoms not even directly connected to this. And what happens is, and you guys need to learn this in ministry, a lot of times in counseling sessions or in life or in discussions, You'll go straight to the symptoms, and we just fix symptoms. I got this cold. I don't like the cough, so I get cough drops. Well, praise God for cough drops, but that's not your issue. You've got a bug inside that's causing the cough. You're just mad at the cough. You need to get mad at You need to start dealing with the real issue. And so that's really what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks is deal with the real heart issues. It's a matter of the heart. In fact, even God says it this way, the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. And I would say to you, man looks at depression and anger and divorce. It looks at all the symptoms, but I would submit to you, there's a heart issue driving the symptoms. So man looks at all those things. Okay, well, you and your wife are having trouble. Well, we're going to teach y'all how to communicate better. Fine. But if they have heart issues, they're going to fight again. I don't care what you teach them. So you can try to fix what you think on the surface is the issue. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the, say it out loud, God looks at the, at the heart. And that's what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks. So the heart, the heart, I learned a lot about the heart, and a lot of I already knew, and you probably know, but, but really the biggest issue with the heart is that the heart's covered in these arteries and vessels, and, and when those things get clogged by pollution, by cholesterol, by different things, it'll create a blockage, and if it gets fully blocked, that's when you have these heart attacks. And so we're going to deal with some blockages. I'm going to give you four in your notes. Here's the first one. And the first blockage, and this is really not the perfect word, but I want you to write it down. It's selfishness. And, and selfishness, I don't mean you're not willing to share. Selfish, I mean, means you're too focused on self. You defend self. You're in self-control. Uh, the way the Bible calls it, the Bible uses this word, and you may want to add it to your notes. It might actually be the better word. In James chapter 3, it says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition. 
selfish ambition. That might be a better way to put it. It's just, I'm in control. I'll call the shots. Um, and that even goes for God. And some of you guys came to the small group today, and you're allowing God into certain areas of your life, and you're giving permission to play in parts of your world, but you haven't given him all of your world. And you're never going to be free until you allow him into all the areas. And by the way, that's true for you students as well. You have to come to a place where you don't have selfish ambition in your, and there's the word again, in your hearts. And then, it, I love this next line, and don't boast about it. Don't say, well, I've got my own life. I can do this myself. I'm, I, I can handle me. Men particular do this more than, I think, ladies, my experience has been. And don't deny the truth. What's the truth? The truth that you have heart issues, and you do need to deal with them, and you can't fix them by yourself. Watch this. Such, and notice the Bible puts it in quotations, such wisdom, it's like, you think you're smart for doing it that way? No, you're not. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. And it goes on to say, for where you have envy, and, and there's the phrase again, selfish ambition. So uh, I, I, I'm in self-control, I'm selfish. There you find all your issues, disorder, and every evil practice. And a lot of us have disorder going on. Our marriage is in disorder. Our finances are in disorder. So praise God for fixing your marriage and your finances. But maybe what our issue is is not those things first. Maybe we need to deal with the fact that we have selfish ambition, that, we, that, that, that truly we have not let God have control of our lives. Uh, my journey with God, is, as I'm, is, I think, is similar. People don't think of me this way, but I've had the same kind of journey that most people have had. And I didn't just didn't, you know, just because I'm a pastor, I just didn't waltz in and say, okay, God, you can have all of me and I will do anything for you. No, it took me a while to get from where uh, I am today, you know, where I was to where I am today. I didn't do that in one leap and no one does. But the secret to the whole process is, is that all along the way, listen to me, you've got to give God, I would like to say to you, give God all control of your life. Most people do it in, in stages, fine. But you've got to get to the place where you have given God full control of your life. And I've been in so many experiences. Um, when I first got called to the ministry, um, I mean, I really was excited about ministry, fired up about ministry, wanted to serve God. But I, I told God, I said, God, I said, here's what I want to do. You know, here's what I want to do. But Lord, uh, I, I, I really don't want to be, you know, in a mud hut in Africa kind of thing. You know, just like, I mean, I have a limit to where I'll serve you. I can do this, but not that. And I'm just going to say to you, God doesn't honor that at all. And by the way, don't, don't fear praying that prayer because God will never send you someplace that he doesn't give you the grace and the desire to do it. I mean, that's just a fact. And so if it, if it is to those places that, you, that are off limits to you, if it, you were called to do it, trust me, God would put such vision and passion and desire to do it. And that's why we got to say, Lord, I will go anywhere, do anything, anything for you. I belong to you. Even in ministry, I, I remember our, our, our staff went to a little revival meeting, and, um, and it's where the person who was ministering would pray for people, and, and many times the manifestation of him praying for them was they would, they would fall down. They would, they, some people call it slain in the spirit or whatever, and I was, I was unsure about all that, honestly. I was like, I don't know about all that, and so, so I wanted to get prayer, like I want the blessing but I, ain't, I don't go down for nobody. You know, that's what I kind of, you know. So, so I went up there and everybody's lined up, all these pastors. He was all pastors. It's probably 2,000 pastors. And so he had created this long line all around the room. And, all, and I'm like right in the front on this side over here. And when, so he's coming down and people are like, boom, 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 boom. They're just going down. And I put a leg back. 
I said, I don't think so, baby. You ain't getting me down, you know. You know. Now, the truth be known, um, I don't even still know what I believe about all of that. I do know this, uh, that, that attitude did not help me at all. So regardless of what you believe about those things, and I'm not here to promote any of that stuff for sure, what I'm trying to say is, we've got to check our attitudes and say, you know, are we saying, God, you can go into my life, but there's a limit to what you can do in my life? Or, Lord, have your way. I don't care. And here's the word, not in your notes, but write it down somewhere. We've got to get you guys to a place of surrender, complete surrender to God, surrender. And by the way, that's next week's lesson. All right, so that's where we're going in week six. Here's the second one, all right, you ready for it? The second one is bitterness, bitterness. So something happened to you, and it offended you, and it made you mad, or it hurt your feelings, and, and it did more than that. And by the way, it's interesting to me, I really don't have it figured out, but some people can have a mean person say something to them, and it like they just brush it off. And the next person can have a mean person say something, and it lands, ready for this, and then defines them the rest of their life. Now, if that has happened to you, and chances are, by the way, it has happened to you, and chances are, by the way, it happened to someone very close to you, and chances are that close person was probably your dad, and not always, but it just, if you keep unpacking it, and, and, and you think you're unique, mm-mm, Jesus said this, he said, he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense has come. So don't even put that up as a standard, like I'm not gonna be the one to let anybody hurt my feelings. No, you're gonna get your feelings hurt. And you probably are, you are gonna have bitterness in your heart. But here's the problem, this is a powerful verse out of Proverbs, and that is an offended brother, and again, that doesn't mean male, it means brother and sister. Offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. So like when you're offended, your lifestyle is kind of out of control now and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. What the Bible is saying here is, is that when you allow that to happen, you have a little level of really of a lack of self-control that you never desired. So, so you got bitter and you say, well, I'm never gonna let that happen to me again and you put a guard around this heart, a wall and now you just got this stuff going on inside of there and the Bible says that doesn't help you, that hurts you. And that's why all of us have to learn, and this is coming in two weeks, all right? This is week number seven of your group lesson, and that is we're gonna have a whole discussion about forgiveness. And I just wanna give you a word about forgiveness before we even get there. You ready for it? And that is don't follow your feelings. Let, 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 don't follow your feelings, guys. Because you're probably not gonna feel the desire to forgive this person. First, you're gonna wanna hate on them a little bit more first and tell why, by the way, they should not be forgiven. And so choices lead, feelings follow. You gotta make the choice to forgive. Choices lead, feelings follow. You've gotta make the choice to, to forgive. But truth be known, people who are carrying around unforgiveness honestly are just destroying your own life. And can I just look into the camera and look into you guys' eyes and say, you're not hurting them. <laughs> when you hold it against them, you think you're punishing them. No, you're really not. So I heard someone say, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping your enemy burns from smoke inhalation. What, a, what an amazing picture. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make you die with smoke, and I'm gonna, to do that, I'm gonna set myself on fire. That, it really, unforgiveness doesn't destroy the person near as much 
as it destroys you. I, I can tell this is the time, because people can think of that person now, and the mood kind of goes down, so I think that I can tell this is the time for a good Boudreaux joke. Y'all ready for one, yes or no, yeah? All right, so <laughs> y'all know I'm from South Louisiana, and this is really a funny story, but it's sad too. But, um, but Boudreaux walks into the, the little store with all the Cajuns hang out, and he's got this big lump right here on his chest, and one of them cages said, Boudreaux, what you got under your chest, huh? He says, well, I, I got dynamite under my shirt. He said, why you got dynamite under my shirt? He goes, well, you know that other Cajun Thibodeau? He said, yeah, I know him. He said, well, he comes into the store every day, and he always slaps me on my chest, and he broke all the cigar what I got in my pocket, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow his hand off today. You know, like a, and that's, that's supposed to be a lot funnier than you guys got, but I, I think it's hilarious. So, so yeah, yeah Boudreaux's going to blow the guy's hand off, but, you know, obviously he's going to hurt himself as well. And that's really what unforgiveness does. And we've got, we've got to take these steps. I know, you're, I know you're dreading it. I know you don't want to uncover it. I know it's a painful to even remember it. You've, some of you think, I've gone on from it. No, no, no. We've got to make sure that that issue's not there. It's a matter of the heart. Here's the third blockage we kind of need to deal with, and that is the blockage of rejection. By the way, this was my main blockage, which, by the way, this was still my main blockage. It, it still, when I have to deal with issues, it usually comes back to the fact uh, that I, I was bullied growing up and um, all of the wild, rebellious decisions I made, I made because I thought, I've got to get people to like me somehow. Yes, I'll do the dare. I will do whatever. I will risk my own life. I will do stupid things. I will smoke things, drink things, do things that I really don't want to do if it means you'll like me. And rejection is pretty powerful. And it usually comes in the form of, put this somewhere in your notes, in the form of words, words, words that have been spoken. And, and it just landed. And the Bible says that the tongue, Proverbs chapter 18 says, the tongue has power to, to, to bring life to someone, which we're hopefully we'll do in this curriculum, or to kill you, which a lot of us has probably have experienced and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so, so we've got to deal with this, these words that have been spoken over us. Some of you guys are actually living out right now the words that have been spoken over you, good or bad. And, it, and, it, and it somehow it's labeled you. So if somebody ever called you fat, you just see yourself, and I'm just fat. Or you're stupid, well, I just, I'm stupid. Or whatever, and you've taken on the identity of a label, by the way, that you never created and God certainly did not create. No, you let somebody else other than God define you, and it's become who you are. And in Jesus' name, through this process, we're going to break it off your life in Jesus' name. We've got to, we've got to change those. Many, many of you have heard this story of my father in law. Um, who's now going to be with Jesus. Billy was my best friend. Tammy's dad was my very best friend, and I just love him, and I miss him so dearly. But when he was in eighth grade, um, he was a genius guy. He was actually in a classroom, a math class in school, and the teacher had put a problem on the board and asked Billy to go up to the board and solve the problem. Now, Billy was genius. Even eighth grade, just genius, genius mind, really a brilliant guy. And so while he got up from, up from his desk, he's walking toward the chalkboard. He solves the problem in his head. In most of these math ones, you have to like do the, you have to do the work like in a division. You have to play it out to get the answer. He did it all in his head. And so when he got up there, he just drew a line, put the answer, walked back to his seat. And the teacher said, hey, Hornsby, that's wrong. He goes, no, that's right. She said, I know the answer's right, but it's wrong because you didn't show your work. I wanted to see the process, not just the answer. 
And you remember that in school. They always like to, they want to sh- show your work. And so, and so he said, but it doesn't matter. I got it right. Now, he disrespected her, and he shouldn't have done that. But it enraged her so much that she was being disrespected. She said in front of the whole classroom, Hornsby, you'll never amount to anything. And for whatever reason, I have no clue why he believed it. And that day, that phrase defined him. And literally, even though he kept going back to school, he was never there. He checked out. He actually never finished, never finished a college degree. He actually was playing country music in bars at 15, 16 years old. At 17 years old, he, he has relations with his, his sweetheart. Um, and, and out of marriage, uh, she, his sweetheart got pregnant. That pregnancy is my wife, Tammy. Tim, and then, and then they, after Tammy was conceived and while she was carrying Tammy, they go on and get married at 17 years old. Yeah, 17, married, broke, needing a job, now starting a family. So he goes where most people in Baton Rouge go to get jobs. They go, go to Exxon, the chemical plant there on the Mississippi River. He goes and fills out an employee exam, knows he didn't do a good job because he didn't been, been in school. They call him and said, Mr. Hornsby, we want you to come in and Talk about the test. He goes, no, just tell me I failed. He said, sir, why don't you just come in? We want to talk about the test. And he goes in, and, he's, and, they, and they said, Mr. Hornsby, no one's ever scored higher on this test ever. He said, really? And then the, the instructor said, he said, you know, Hornsby, if you'll put your mind to it, you'll really amount to something someday. And literally reversed the curse. The exact phrase the teacher used, this person used, but in the positive sense. And on that day, Billy believed it. And he became, not only, he not only got saved a few years later, but became one of the most influential Christian leaders in America and the world, planted churches all over Europe and all over the world, and founded, he is the founder of our ARC church planting ministry today. And that's the power of words. Are y'all following me, everybody? This is huge. This is huge. This is huge. And that's why in this, this curriculum process, we're going to make sure we get some words of life spoken over you. you. Say, Chris, where are those words of life? In God's words. We're, God's word, the Bible says God's word washes your mind. It's the, we're cleansed through the washing of the water of the word of God. And in Jesus' name, if you'll let us, if you'll let us. Okay, this is in week number eight. It's in three weeks from today. We're gonna have a whole lesson on the words, the God words we're gonna speak over you. Don't miss that session of your small group. Here's the fourth blockage. The fourth blockage is evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. And we use that phrase because that's the phrase that Jesus used. But that phrase is all-inclusive, check it out, to everything in you that you've allowed in you. So I'm talking about all the pollution, all the websites, all the experiences, all, all of the thoughts, all, all of it, all the music. The, the, I'm talking about the, 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 the stuff you weren't supposed to listen to, all the movies. I'm talking about the stuff, listen to me, that you've put on the hard drive. So now we're trying to help you have this brand new free life, but you still got a hard drive full of information right? That's an issue. And Jesus said, here's, here's how big of an issue it is. For from within, so in, I'm talking about on the inside of you, out of men's hearts, there's our word, come evil thoughts. So you've got this hard drive full of pollution, guys. All of us do, by the way. 
Anything you've allowed in there is, is on the hard drive. Sexual immorality, now it gives the list. Theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And the Bible goes on to say, Jesus said, all these evils come from not your issue with your wife or your boss. Or, no, no, these are inside issues. These are hard issues. And they make that man unclean. So now we've got to take you through a process. Jot this word down in your notes. We've got to take you through a process of cleansing. Cleansing. We're gonna, this is going to be a cleaning process. And by the way, the last the event, the, the event at the end, the conference retreat, the event at the end really helps with this one in a big way. And so here's my prayer for you. If you're looking on the other page, now, now you've got to allow this process to begin. Every one of you in the group, now your job, by the way, isn't to do any of that. God's going to do that work for you. Here's the job you have to do. You've got to allow it to happen. And so for you to allow it to happen, you're going to need three things. And I want to give them to you out of Ezekiel. It says, I will give you a new heart a new spirit in you, I will remove from you that heart of stone. Heart of stone means that old hard, rigid, won't let nothing in, bitter, wounded, un you know, all those issues. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, and flesh means tender, soft, receptive, right? And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So in other words, now you're going to have a life that's the life, by the way, you've always wanted. Now you're a life that's following decrees and it's, it's like in order and it's living right. And you know why? Because you dealt with your heart issues. So I need you to do three things. This is today's assignment. This is, this is what you need to do before you show up to week six next week. And that is number one, write it down. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to show me, show me, show me, show me. You know why? Because you can't change what you cannot see. So I'm asking God, and I want to pray it over you right now. I'm asking God to put his finger on areas that, you, that are the real issue. So some of you are very aware of what that issue is, and unfortunately, a lot of you guys are not aware. For those of you guys who are not aware, you really need to pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, show me. And here's, here's the verse I love. I try to pray this verse every day, by the way, students. This is one of my everyday prayers. And that is, Lord, search me, know me, test me, know my anxious thought. Watch this. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So God, maybe I'm completely unaware that I'm being a jerk today. Or maybe I'm completely aware that my attitude's gotten bad. Or maybe I'm completely unaware that I'm actually got pride. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. So in other words, you might be the last person to know what's really going on inside of you, which is why you need to be in a group, by the way. And just say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I need you to show me some areas, and here's what'll happen. He'll go, mm, and you'll go, oh, okay, 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 I got it, I got it. He'll show you. If you give him permission to show you, he will show you, and I pray that over you in Jesus' name. Second prayer we pray, second thing you need to do is that we need to invite the Holy Spirit to change me, change me. And the reason why I give you this one is he can change you without, you know, with, on his own. He can just do it, but he wants you to invite him to do it. So in other words, don't assume God's going to change you. Listen to me. Ask God to change you. So you say it that way. So Holy Spirit, go in there and just have your way. And as, as the psalmist David said, the great King David who committed adultery and murdered a guy, he prayed, Lord, create in me a 
pure heart. It's another great prayer to pray regularly. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, work in me, change me, change me. It's just the most beautiful prayers to pray every day. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, change me. And then here's the third one, and that is Holy Spirit, fill me. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. Because here's what's gonna happen. Write it down, I want you to see this. Because once we do this, though, you ready? Everybody pay attention, I want you to catch this. Because once you do this process, what we're literally doing is just kind of with a backhoe, we're going in and pulling out all these issues. All right, it's very dangerous to remove things without replacing it with something else. So every process, you students need to know this, don't just take things out of a person. In other words, with young people, when I was a youth pastor, I never said, hey, just don't sin. You know, don't go out. Uh, don't have fun. You know, don't, that's basically the way they were hearing it. You know, don't go out and, and hang out with your friends. No, no, I said, hey, make a decision to get away from worldly things. Hey, let's go on a missions trip and smuggle Bibles into, into you know, back, back in those days, we were in, in the Iron Curtain nations. So I wasn't just saying what not to do. I was saying, leave that, but come do this. And every ministry point really needs that, and you need that as well. And I wanna close with this, this thought, and that is, is that, this is important part of the process that we're gonna invite, we're gonna show you the person of the Holy Spirit in this process. And I'm trying to prepare you for it because it's coming. So I don't wanna surprise you, it's coming. And I know a lot of people are like, ah, I love God the Father, that's cool, I got a Father, I get that. And Jesus, yeah, he came to the earth, I kinda like him, he's got movies about him. But I don't know about all that Holy Ghost, I, ain't do, I don't do ghosts, I just don't do ghosts, all right, so I got you. But you just need to warm up to the idea because this is not spooky or weird. This is, this is important for you. And Ephesians says that do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And debauchery means the, the literal definition is a senseless indulgence. In other words, you're letting, your senses, you're letting your senses call the shots. Don't do that. Instead, notice the Bible's doing it. Take that out. Put this in. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that's where we're going ultimately. And we like to tell you now so you can just go ahead and begin praying that prayer, Holy Spirit, for everything that I get removed out of my heart and my life, would you come in its place and fill me with your spirit? In Jesus' name, and everybody said a good amen. amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today's lesson. Lord, I pray for courage. Lord, I know it's gonna need a lot of just humility and openness, transparency to say, I have some issues, some heart issues. Lord, I pray for the security of that group, the honesty that's in that group, that every one of us would go to a place to total surrender. Lord, to a place, Lord, for, of forgiveness, uh, to a place of words of life where words can be spoken in the group and, Lord, we're healed. And, God, to a place, Lord, where we follow you with all of our heart, Lord. We're, we're, we're cleansed by the power of your word. So God, I just pray for every person to be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Bless the meeting now as they discuss it in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.